0: Thank you. I've seen many of you as like seeing uh, old friends after all these years, and um, it's interesting, you know. When you look at, um, gonna need to turn that down just a little, I think, or something. I'm gonna have to just quit squeaking. Um, a lot of you know as you drove up here. Um, There's a few trees that are down. Uh, We really went through an interesting period, and many of you uh, kept up with it on uh, YouTube and different things that we tried to keep up with on. Uh, Never saw anything like that in my life. You know, I've been here, this is my 53rd year here, and I've never seen anything of that devastation. In 20 minutes, everything changed. The landscape changed. We had two blasts of 100-mile-an-hour winds that came straight-line winds. About 25 miles wide and about, I forget how long. But it was absolutely incredible. I mean, you were totally powerless in the process. There were about uh, 400 junior high kids and leaders in this building when that happened. And um, they all left this building to go to their spots where we tell them to go. Um, But there was no real warning for us for that so we we were right at the last minute these junior high kids if you can imagine having that many junior high kids were all running out of this building <laughs> trying to find their spot while trees were flying by their heads <laughs> yeah it was pretty amazing and nobody got hurt everybody made it and nobody got hurt um, first time in our history it had closed down for two sessions and 36 out of our 70 buildings were damaged and most of, our, uh, most of our activity areas were wiped out in 20 minutes that happened. So it was amazing to, to just, uh, for me, I, I actually had, we had a men's thing going on and we were trout fishing and I, I had just come home and uh, was getting ready to come over here and check what was going on because when I got home, uh, I saw the power was out at our house. I thought, hmm, something's going on. But we had no warnings, really. So I was about to go out, and as soon as I grabbed the door, a tree, a big oak, flew right by it. I thought, downstairs, Linda, my wife, let's go. And I kept trying to get up to get over here because I realized this is the junior hires just got here an hour before. And I thought, oh my goodness, there's buses here, there's kids here. There's trees flying. I thought, God, how many injuries, how many things were wiped out? Because as I kept trying to get over here, then my wife and I eventually, we only live, you know, a third of a mile down the road. I usually walk here and it took us about a half hour to get over here because we couldn't find a way. There were that many trees down. And then when we got here, there was uh, no injuries. Everyone accounted for. It. I thought, oh, God, thank you. Uh, buildings were leaking and all kinds of other things, but the people were okay. And uh, we ended up getting them home, and, and God has been very faithful since. The building you see here now, for your last time I was talking to you about it needing re-engineering, and it did. Um, however, the 150-year-old uh, just smacked it and it moved the whole building. And so now the insurance company paid for the re-engineering, so that was good. Um, <laughs> And that basically is what you see the black plates are and all kinds of stuff. And they were still working on it today. So we've been working on it. You know, This happened in the summer and they're still working on it now trying to get it so we can use it. Uh, and through it all, I want to tell you, you know um, nothing's really changed in what we do. Didn't change then. I mean, it does. Uh, the things that are unimportant change in many respects. I mean, yeah, you couldn't do, uh, if you go do the zip line while you're here, that's a brand new zip line because the other one's gone. So that's changed, I guess. But what we do hasn't changed, and who God is hasn't changed. Um, For those people in life who don't have, who don't understand who God is and don't understand the security that comes from enjoying God and knowing him, life can be pretty rough for you uh, because you don't have anywhere to go. You don't have anybody that's in charge but you, and I want to tell you something. We stood there with Big oak trees. And by the way, even in my own house, immediately a big tree hit it and cracked the whole house. The ceiling cracked right in half. and the, you know um, Those are the moments in life where you've got nothing. You have no power. You have no authority. You, you have nothing. You're standing there going, I can't do anything. You're helpless. And if you don't know God, that's how you're going to stay. Uh, we did know God, and um, we're thankful to be in the position we are. And I can talk to you more about that, but I just want to bring up to date a little bit. We're, we're uh, still working with the insurance company to get things settled finally, and I guess when that happens, we should have some new equipment and some new things to replace the old things that got destroyed. And in one way, it's kind of nice, because you get new things to replace old things. Um, in another way, it's kind of weird because you never plan to get new things to replace the old things. Um, but you have to. I want to talk to you about truth though this weekend and in general this as somebody who uh, works a lot with college kids does a lot of radio does a lot of just research this idea of truth in our country is really getting lost. It's not that we don't understand it everybody thinks they understand truth everyone does and and they would say something like well what's true to you is not true to me and it's like well That's goofy to start with. If something is true, it's true to everybody. That's the whole definition of truth. It's it's truth. And and there's a way to define it. Now what happens is there's a movement right now, I don't know if you're familiar with it, there's a movement of being mindful when you're doing mindfulness. Now, again, these concepts really are bad. But I mean. Um what happens a lot of times is you take some of these things and you bend them the wrong way and something that was meant for good becomes evil. And so you always got to watch that because there's, there's things about mindfulness that aren't bad, but there's all kinds of things that are. For example, mindfulness is being in the present. So if I'm at home and my wife is there and we're talking, I'm actually looking at her and thinking about what she says. That's mindfulness. I'm, I'm there with her. I could have the paper up. I'm not there with her. See, now, my daughter would tell me, Dad, you got to practice being in the present here. You know, I mean, I'm here. Look at me. Connect. That's good. But what happens is some people, that's all they do. So they're, they're thinking about their breathing. They're thinking about you know, mindfulness, that kind of thing. And before you know it, that's all they live for is that moment. Uh, some people live in the past. That's all they live in. Everything, you know, their past, they, they got hurt when they were a kid, they got abused, they got, and it's all they think about is all this stuff going on over here. So their whole life is defined by this. Whatever happened to them as a kid, or, or 10 years ago, or five years ago, their first job, everything goes through that filter. And, and because of that, they see everything a certain way. You see, if you're living in the moment, you see everything a certain way. If you're living in the past, You see everything a certain way. Some people live in the future. That's all they see. Now, really, the truth of the matter is we've got all those things. We've got the past, we've got the present, we've got the future. And those who are healthy acknowledge the fact that all of those are influential on them right now and they, they live within the context of them. And those who don't, they're usually not healthy. You see, there there is something that we call truth. And it doesn't really matter what your past is, there's still a truth. It doesn't matter what you think your future is gonna be, there's still a truth. And and what you wanna do is find that the commonality to what truth actually is and respond to that, because if you don't respond to truth, what'll happen is truth will break you eventually. a very simple example if there is a God and obviously I believe there is one and since that's a truth one day you'll either acknowledge that now and live in that context or one day you're going to wish you did now if it's not then you're going to have to deal with it and you can say I can put that off Sure you can. I can put off the idea that if I eat a dozen donuts a day, you know, I'm not gonna suffer the day I ate them. It's kind of interesting when I look at our nation today and I talk to young people, they have no idea, they are so confused. They are so confused about everything in life. Just watch what's going on in Washington and try and figure out what truth is. You' trying to figure it out. What is if you're a young person today and you're looking there and you're looking at our national leaders, you're just trying to figure out. Well, what can you believe? What has happened to us as a nation? What has happened to us? Who's standing up and speaking some kind of truth? Um, I'm not going to, I will go into it during this time period, but this propaganda problem is, is a big problem. But it was a problem that many politicians have embraced. And no, I'm not picking on Paul here because I respect Paul and I respect the stuff he's doing. But many politicians work more at trying to get elected than trying to tell you the truth. You see, what they're doing is they're living in the future. But their future is only them. I need to get elected. And what happens is you can be told all kinds of things. They just got to figure out what you want to be told. The scary thing to me is when we look down, uh, we look back in history, and we take a look at a guy like Hitler. Hitler was a guy that was very, very profoundly influenced by a lot of things. Darwinism, a bunch of other things like that. But one of the things that we know about Hitler for sure is that he was a propaganda machine. He understood how to use information to get people to believe what he wanted them to. Think about that for a moment. He had a nation, he had people, he had soldiers gassing Jewish people, putting them in gas chambers and them thinking they were doing something right and good. How do you get there? In fact, how does anyone get there? Think about it for a moment. How many of us can know that there's something right and good that we should be involved in, but we don't do it? And then we try and figure out a way to make the wrong that we're doing look right. See, we We know we shouldn't do something, but we do it anyway. When you read the Bible, this is one of the things that really is interesting to me. How could Satan, knowing God, and we know that he knows God, by the way. All the way through the Bible, whenever Satan is in the presence of God or demons are in the presence of God, they acknowledge that he's God. (laughs) They know that. Why would they ever go against him? That's the question I have. Why, knowing God, would you ever go against him? It'd be like me if Michael Jordan walked in room and said, hey, you want to have a dunk contest? I'll take you on. Everyone would say, do you know who you just said that to? I don't know, some big guy that walked in here. It happens to be Michael Jordan. And if you didn't know who he was, you'd go, so? But everyone that knew who he was would go, you're nuts. Well, look, I could dunk a volleyball. <laughs> I'll take him out. You're not going to win. Why? Because we know who he is. Oh, you just don't believe. You know what our kids are growing up in a society that does this? We've got We've got athletes that get up and someone says to them, so uh, what, what, what's your secret? And they all say about the same thing. Well, you know, you just got to work hard enough and you can do anything in life. And I think, you just lied. You lied. There's nothing that says if you work hard enough, you can do anything. That doesn't work. That, that just doesn't work. You know, there's a lot of things. I, I, I played college and, and I, I played college. I did play college, I actually, I actually went to college to play football, so I played college, and I played football, and I was a hockey player. And um, I, some of the guys that I played with, I lockered next to the guys who were soccer players, and a couple of them went pro, I'm telling you something, they were, they were good. You could tell by the way they moved, by what they did, they weren't your normal run-of-the-mill athletes. These guys were up here somewhere. Me, I was down here somewhere. Now I was a starter. I did everything. I mean, I did what I was supposed to do, and I, you know, I all-state at what I did. Never all-American, but I was up. I was okay. But the pro athletes, they were they were different. They were they were like freaky good at everything they did. They were just odd in a good way. If I were to tell you that if I would just work hard enough, I'd be a professional football player? I'd be lying. I don't have that freaky good stuff in me. You say, you just didn't try hard enough. Oh, be quiet. I I did try. I played college football. I I worked probably harder than anybody did. You can't tell someone who is four foot three that they're going to be a professional basketball player if they just try hard enough. (laughs) But our society seems to let people say that and go, oh, yeah, man, you just got to try hard. You see, what happens after a while is we start just believing lies just because somebody says it and they look sincere while they say it. Being sincere when you say something is nice, but it doesn't make it true. How many people can get, politicians, athletes, whoever they are, can get in front of a screen, say something, and make you think that they're really meaning what they just said? And you know what? They might be really meaning what they just said, and they could still be wrong. We have to be careful in our, in our culture, because I, what, what I've begun to do is a kid will come and talk to me, or somebody, or I'm, not, you know, I'm somewhere talking to people, and they'll come and say, well, you know... Now give me all these facts about something, and I'll go, is that pamphlet knowledge or is that real knowledge? Did you just look that up on Google or something? I mean, where do you get this information from that you just told me? Oh, I've researched it. Define research. Just for me. You see, we live in this age where this information is just flowing like everywhere all the time. And people are picking things out. I can go to any crowd, maybe even in this crowd. There'll be someone here who say, your kids should get vaccinated. Some say, no, vaccines. Russia developed those to kill us. You know, I mean, whatever it might be, they're all over the place here. Do I know the truth about vaccinations? No. You know what I do? I go to my doctor, the one that I trust as my doctor. I say, what am I supposed to do? He says, get this. I say, okay. Because i got to choose to trust somebody. At some point, i got to do that. If you listen to the podcast we do on Younger Older, uh, last year I was interviewing a or a mechanic, who died of cancer since uh, we've been together. And uh, when he got cancer, he had so many people tell him what he had to do. You know, you need to eat 14 head of cauliflower every day and do this and dip your head in oil, you know, whatever it might be. And someone else say, no, no, care, it's not cauliflower. You know, and someone else, he finally looked at me and said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to listen to our doctor. I said, well, that's good. I mean, you got to choose what you're going to listen to. You're going to listen to the cauliflower people. You're going to listen to the, you know, do I even know? I don't know. Cauliflower could cure everything. I have no idea. I'm just saying that in this age where we have this information, like flying everywhere all the time, What's happened is, we don't know what to really know or believe as truth, so we don't believe anything except for what we want to. That's what it comes down to. We end up believing what we want to believe. And then we make the mistake, because we do that, we make the mistake of thinking, it must be true because I believe it. And therefore, we're saying that just it's our belief that makes it true. Well, I'm going to tell you, belief in something doesn't make anything true. I don't care who you are, me, you, doesn't matter. Belief by itself doesn't make anything true. First time truth was used in the Bible, the word truth. Genesis 42. Joseph, the story of Joseph. Send one of, um, send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined, that your words may be tested, so that we know whether you tell me the truth. Basically what he said. Because because he was trying to figure out whether they were telling him the truth. It's interesting. Um, I read this from um, an atheist that was talking about how there is no sin. And the idea is very simple, since there is no truth. Since everything is relative and you can believe what you want to and what you believe is true, then there is nothing that's really sinful. Unless you make it sinful. And I'm thinking, hmm. So I read this, and, and again, I'm, I'm very philosophical in my mind. When I read something like this, it kind of grabs my brain. It says, there is no such thing as sin. And immediately I think, Ugh. okay. Okay. Before I go on, I want to there's no such thing as sin. This generation that's growing up right now, number one cause of death in them right now, suicide. Why are they so miserable? Why is the generation that's growing up right now that has everything from the richest nation at the richest time in our history, why are they so miserable? Why are they so lonely at a time where we can communicate with just a touch of a button? Why are they so lacking fulfillment at a time when this nation is so full of opportunity? Why are they lacking? Why are they coming home from school and places and wanting to destroy themselves? I remember we did an interview uh, in the middle of the storm and uh, one of the major, it was NBC, came up here to do uh, an interview on how we were doing things. And I had our team, I had our program, Jason was with me, our program director myself. Jason's the only guy that got on and I knew that that would happen because of what I said. They asked me how it was going here. I said, you know, it's actually going great. When we had that storm come through, it was unbelievable the amount of people that came up to help us. And I said, you know what? I wish Washington, D.C. would come here and see how you can get things done. <laughs> and then I told him I was going to buy a hat that said, make camp great again. <laughs> the guy who was with me, Jason, looked at me and goes, you know they're cutting all that. This is NBC. <laughs> That's what I know. But you know what I learned from that? I learned that in the, in the time when we were just really helpless, God's people came out of the woodwork with equipment and came here, and they came and they helped us do what we needed to do. And I thought, this was a wreck. This place was a wreck. The professional lawyer that was here helping us said, nine months you'll be closed. 11 days, we reopened. How come we can get something done? How come we can do that, but we can't fix the debt of our nation? Who's telling lies somewhere? What's going on? Where are the leaders who can stand up and actually lead us out of this? Mess we're in. It's amazing to see the people that came up here in general to help were people who basically said, You know, I got equipment, I got talent, I saw what happened to you. I want to be a part of it. I want to help you get back on your feet. That's it. That's all they said. No money, nothing, just other camps like we are ended up sending crews up here with dump trucks and machinery and. Come on, we're, we, and we—they were great. We didn't need to say a word to them. They all knew what they were doing. They got out of their trucks, started cutting, moving things. It's amazing. When I look at our culture, and I look at—and I think, you know what? There are times where things, when you look at things, they actually work and they work well. And and then then I go and I spend time with high school and college kids, and they're depressed and angry and lonely and feeling worthless and. You know, one of the best things that happened to this ministry was that storm. We had a bunch of high school and college kids here. First time I've seen a breakthrough like that in years where where finally they took ownership of the place. They took ownership of the problem and they did something. We, We stood up and told them that. We said, it's time to step up to the plate. You see, here's the truth. None of us had anything to do with it. These winds came and wiped us out. We're either going to be wiped out or we're going to get up and and rub the dirt off us and get back into business. What do you want us to do? Those kids didn't sign up. All of them could have gone home. They didn't sign up to work 12, 14-hour days moving wood. They didn't do that. But all of a sudden, they were. Look, there is sin in the world, there's evil in the world, there's also people who do what they should do. There is no such thing as sin, this guy said. People do good and bad things, but there's no such thing as sin. And I thought, oh, you are so confusing right there. People do good, but people do bad, but there's no such thing as sin. Okay, fine then define good for me and bad. Obviously, bad is not sin. Well, it wouldn't be, I guess, if there is no God and they don't believe there's a God, so you're not sinning against God. The real problem is, is each one of us, each human being, wants to take the place of God. See, I want it to be so that when I see something, it's the way it is. When I understand something, it's the way it is. That characteristic belongs only to God not to me I'm still Dave I have a perspective I have a past, present, future you realize God doesn't have a past present or future he doesn't have to put it through that filter I do somebody once called God, Jesus good and Jesus rebuked them. Don't call me good. Why? Good doesn't work for God. Good's a comparative term. You're comparing it to something. So, are you a good person? The reason you might say yes is is because you're comparing yourself to somebody who you consider worse than you. So I would have to ask you, are you a good person compared to, and now I'm narrowing the field. So if I said, are you a good person compared to, I don't know who's a criminal, some criminal. Jeffrey Dahmer, right? So if I said, are you a good person compared to Jeffrey Dahmer? Of course. How about Mother Teresa? Well, not that good. So what do you mean by good, exactly? What are you talking about when you say good? See, good and bad are terms that have no meaning unless we put meaning with them. So I'm really good at basketball as long as it's not Michael Jordan. We visit my father-in-law. He's 90 years old. I'm good compared to him. You put me and him on a court, I'm good. You put me and Michael on a court, all of a sudden the word changes to bad. How could I be both good and bad at the same thing? See, the terms good and bad don't work because you have to compare them to something. If I say this, and not only that, you're comparing them to things and nobody else is comparing them like you are. So if I if you brought in a pizza and I said is that a good pizza? You might say uh, yes. And I take a bite of it and go that ain't a good pizza. I don't know what you're comparing it to. I know what I'm comparing it to. You see the word the term good and bad. We, we as a nation here's a guy saying there is good and bad. And I'm going you just use two terms that nobody knows what you just said. Sin, I get. Sin, I get. There's a God, there's a way things are. When you don't do what God says, that's sin. I understand that. I don't understand if you say you're good. That's why people who try to be good enough for a God to love them, see, they never really know if they've arrived because they don't know who, if they've compared themselves to the right people. Because none of us are perfect. But this guy's saying there's no sin, so there's no God. He's saying there is good and bad, which I think he proves he doesn't know what he's talking about just by that statement. Then he says sin is a myth. The concept of sin was created as a recruitment method to get you to join an immoral religious organization. How can you say there's good and bad and no sin, but there's an immoral organization? I am totally confused by this statement. You can't use the word immoral the way he just did with the way he used good, bad, and no sin. However, he's going to call church immoral somehow. Now, you might say, Dave, you're picking this apart exactly. You know what? What's happening right now is the newscasts are coming, people are talking, people are sitting there looking at it going, okay, okay, okay. They're not thinking through it. You can't say statements like this because they make no sense. There are things that make sense. This doesn't. The concept of sin was created as a recruitment method to get you to join an immoral religious organization to extort money from you. Religious leaders and believers and believers tell you that you have an imaginary problem, and coincidentally, they have all the magical cure for your imaginary problem. I, I don't know. I don't think when uh, you have an epidemic of suicide, depression, anger, that that's imaginary. I have young people come to me that are are stressed out, angry, upset. My first question to them is, do you believe in God? If they say no, I say, well, then the fruit is being angry, upset, and depressed. I can't help you. And then they get mad at me. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can't help you. You want to live as if there's no God and there is a God. And, and the fruit of living as if there's no God is, is, is insignificance. It's, it's all these things that you're telling me. It's kind of interesting. When we look at people, we think that because they have money, because they're successful at something, they actually know what's going on. Our culture right now has about 53 murders a day and 129 suicides a day. The sex trafficking problem is horrendous in our country. The normal young girl that's been taken off the street to use for sex trafficking is making their their pimp about $80,000 a year in developed countries, about 55,000 in the Middle East. There are 9,000 illicit massage parlors using Um, selling young girls and boys 9,000 illicit massage parlors in the United States, bringing in about 50 billion a year. My question is, how can you look at a little girl like that and abuse her and pay big dollars for it and say there's no evil? How can you do that? You have to be pretty callous to do that. To take somebody, and use them, and abuse them, and then say there's no evil, there's no wrong, I'm. We can go to something even simpler, Walmart. Walmart loses $3 billion a year due to theft. Amazon, 11 million parcels are taken from porches a year. You say, oh, that's, oh, there's no good or bad. and I mean, there's only good or bad. There's no sin or evil. Do you realize some people that steal, they're good people? I don't know what I just said. I was reading something Aaron Rodgers said recently. Aaron Rodgers, uh, if you've been keeping up with him, you know, he said he used to grow up in a Christian home, got disillusioned. And some of the reasons he got disillusioned illusion were simple. There's too many opinions out there, too many people that believe too many things. And I thought, that's your reasoning? Even more importantly, what he was talking about was he said, you know, I just didn't like the idea that Christianity was, you know, one group and everybody else was another group, but it's us and them. And I thought, it's that way in all of culture, by the way. I'm a wager. Are any of you guys wagers? I guess it's us and you. I went to, I grew up in Chicago. Anyone else here grew up in Chicago? Sure. So there's two of us. It's us against the rest of you. Identifying people is not anything new. It's not odd. It's not, you know, I'm I'm Scandinavian by heritage. If you're not Scandinavian, if you're Italian, you're not one of us. I'm not insulting you. I'm just telling you. For Aaron Rodgers to say, I'm gonna reject Christianity because the idea it's, it's them and them. It's like, so? See, there are people that know there's a God. They've understood his love. They've responded to him. There's people that haven't. So there's those and there's those. I I don't know what's so hard to understand about that. I don't even know why it's bad. Well, because we don't want it, we want everyone equal. Think about that statement. We want everyone the same. Really? But everyone's not the same. Haven't you noticed? Yeah, but everyone should be. But they're not. I'm six foot two. There are people that are only five foot eleven. I had a friend that was six foot ten. We're not all the same. It, it's interesting. Um, I do a, a podcast that it's really to help people sleep. I guess I could put people to sleep well. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But what's interesting is the people that might be listening to it. It really, I, I, what I really call it in my head is my little grandfatherly half hour. I just talked for a half hour quietly. About something. Word got to me of a high school sophomore girl. Her mom said, she's nuts. She has to go to sleep listening to you. I said, well, she might be nuts. I have no idea. But before she listened, she was being treated for anxiety, all kinds of stuff. Ever since she started listening, she's not went away. She told her mom that it's time that she just gets to unscramble her mind. I think, hmm, you know what you're doing? You're just listening to an old grandpa that just talks. There's nothing, I'm, I'm not even right all the time, I'm sure, but you, you know what? The young people that are growing up today, they, they want the input from the old guys. They, they want to hear. They, they just don't know how to do it because it's not cool and it's not You, you, if you say anything in public, see, there's this fight that happens. If you disagree with someone, you hate them. You know, I, what I'm finding is people want to go in their room and be quiet and hear sanity. They just want to listen to it. To know it's there. There are some things that do make sense in life. I think there are things that are actually logical. And God made it logical. I, my, my master's agree. my background that way is in science and education and and I like hanging out with scientists and talking to them. By the way, I'm not a scientist and honestly I don't even know what makes a scientist a scientist. They have a doctorate in something I guess and they're smart. But what I always find is that that logic is something that cuts across all lines and everybody understands it. For, For example, this, this name tag right here. Somebody made that, right? Everybody in here knows that. See, that cuts across all lines. That's logical. This just didn't happen. So I say one about the Earth, but sorry, it's totally illogical. Every human being realizes that when you see something, some, somebody moved the table there, somebody moved the chairs there. That somebody did that, that's logical. I want to know what role logic plays when we follow God, when we we find truth. How much does logic play into it? Remember uh, the story of Christmas we recently had, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Remember God said you're going to become pregnant, only you're going to be a virgin. Where's the logic here? Well, I would contend with you that it's very logical in this sense, God's the one who spoke it. If there is a God and he tells you as a young lady that you're gonna be pregnant and you're gonna be a virgin, that makes sense that it could happen because it's God. If I tell you it makes no sense because I'm not God. The logical part is not being pregnant, is a ver- that's not the logical part. The logical part is understanding that if there is a God, a God can speak and create the universe, He can create the world, He can do something, so He can do things that makes sense to me. Now, the, the problem we have is we want to elevate ourselves to God's level. So we want to figure out, in order for it to be true, it has to be something I actually understand. Yeah. That's not true anywhere in the world at this point. It's not true. There are so many things that are true out there that I don't understand. Now, we didn't finish our conversation. We were talking about electricity earlier, right? Do they actually have wireless electricity? (laughs) stop. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I'll use it if it comes but I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how you have electricity with no wires. I know, some of you are thinking that's really, okay, I don't get it, that's fine. That doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, though. It means that I don't get it. Here's the thing, you you do power for a living, so you get it probably, don't you? Do you understand how it works? See, I don't, so I'm going to just regulate that to him. And actually, because to me in this world, it's like he knows, you go ask him, everything's cool, I'm all right with it, we're done. Of course, I'm still the guy that doesn't understand how a TV signal goes over an antenna and comes comes back to a picture, so I don't know how that happens either. And I'm not going to spend time doing that. There's people that know that. You see, so in our life, it's not unusual for us to actually have things in our life see things, experience things, but not really understand how they came to be and actually use them and not understand how it's working while we're using them. Tell me this, where is the internet? Where does all that stuff go when I send it to the cloud? Exactly. Don't answer that. I'm just sending it. You see, for somebody to get up and say, well, I don't understand how God did this is ludicrous if that's their criterion for saying there's no God. or That's ridiculous. He's smarter in electricity than I am. There are other people smarter in how the Internet works than I am. There's doctors that are smarter on, that i got to listen to and say, okay, I'm going to listen to you. I may not understand any of it, But it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It means my understanding is limited. Everybody in this room has limited understanding in some area, I promise. I have no idea what it's like to give childbirth. I don't even think I'm close to understanding that one. It's the way life is. That doesn't mean childbirth doesn't happen. It just means I don't understand it. So when somebody comes to me and just says, you know, I don't understand. No, actually, there is a God. And if you, you see that the world was created and the world itself points to the fact that there's a creator. Now, we don't know, again, I don't know how you create things. I really don't know how you create things out of nothing. I've never done that. I do know this, though. There's some really cool things in that whole creation thing. Like when God created Adam first, he, he created him, and he, it was a pile of clay, pretty much, you know, formed him out of clay. And, and Adam was just dirt. And then God breathed into him. And life, that dirt, dirt became life. Oh, the girls like it when I say that. You know, the boys started out as dirt. And it came to life. What happens when the life leaves this living dirt? It goes back to dirt. Do I understand all that? Is it logical to me? Yes. Because of God. Is electricity logical? Yes, because I asked you and I trust you. So it's logical to me that it can happen. I just don't understand all the details of it. You see, what I think sometimes is we're too quick to say, oh, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Something that doesn't make sense, that's fine. I, there's a lot of things that God does that I'm, I'm probably sitting there going, I don't know. I, wow, weird. You know, I don't know. The logical part, though, is that God is who he is. That means he's all-powerful, he's almighty, he loves those are the things. What I tell kids all the time, and I've told you, if I've spoken to you before, is God is older than me, smarter than me, and loves me. I can trust him. See, I, that much I know. How he does everything? I don't know. M- Mary, in Luke 2, when she found out she was going to be the mother of Jesus, which again is a mind-blowing experience by itself, I'm sure. What she did is she treasured up all these things in her heart, pondering them in her heart. I think one of the great things that's missing from our culture today is the ability to ponder, to think, to, to spend time in quiet reflecting on things. We're, we're, we're listening to what everyone says, but we're not processing. Really, one of the most important things I do every day is spend a couple hours in quiet, just staring out. I have a little porch with a... Um, a wood stove on it. I have a, a big old sweatshirt I put on because it's about 50 degrees in there when it starts. I call it my smoking jacket, even though I don't smoke. But it smells like it because I'm building a fire in it all the time. So, And I sit there and I, I read and I think and I pray and I sip coffee. It's important that I think things through. That I don't feel things through, that I think things through. What's interesting is Mary did. She treasured all these things in her heart. She she would have to do that because God just told her, look, I know you're a virgin, I know you're young, but you're going to be pregnant. And it's not just a normal pregnancy. It's God who you're going to give birth to. Now, I don't care who you are. You're going to have to think about that one. That's not an everyday little bit of news. So you're going to have to go, "Mm, what does this actually mean? Well, you know what? A L- little later, her son, Jesus, w- was in the temple. He was getting older. And Mary kept continually guarding these words in her heart and holding them. Or, or Luke 2, 51. He went down with them to Nazareth and, she, and, he, and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. In other words, every time she was dealing with Jesus, she had to think about it. Think it through. That's Okay. That's what she was doing. She's trying to figure it out. That's what most of us really need to be doing. We need to be thinking things through. Think it through. Because what happens is in a culture where, where you live basically by your passions and your feelings, the thinking through part gets pushed to the back all the time because you've got to feel good about it. You have to have the desire It's interesting, this word that Mary treasured all these things, pondered them, really, what, it, what it's saying, it, if you look at it, and I think the connotation is much greater than just thinking about it, what she was doing was guarding it, guarding it. She was guarding the truth that she just heard. It, that's a little different than just thinking about it. It's actually guarding it. And I think if you go to the original, it kind of gives you that connotation. It's a guardie. She's guarding what was told her. Now, why would she need to do that? Well, very simple. She was told, as a young lady, she was going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. How many people around her were probably going to call her nuts? How many people around her are going to say, that's not how it works? How many people would she have to ignore? She had to guard what was given to her. She had to guard the truth so it didn't slip away. You know, I find a lot of times what happens is we know the truth, we don't guard it, and after years or circumstances or whatever, all of a sudden, the truth starts to slip away from us. We didn't guard it. I asked the students the other day, some college here at Nicolai Bible Institute, and I asked them, like, how many movies do you, do you watch that are violent? that have violence in them? No, oh, the percentage is really high. How many video games have violence in them? Quite a few. Even Pac-Man destroyed those little dots. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I know, show my age, it's like the only video game I can think of. <laughs> um, how many movies and television programs have sexual kind of so look at our nation we got a problem with pornography sex trafficking people shooting each other what are all of our entertainment choices about? how are we guarding ourselves? Where's, where is the television program where a husband and wife Honor each other and they're faithful to each other and they love their family. And Did I go out with Father Knows Best? Or I don't even know if that was that way. But see, what, what's happening is you, you start to let your guard down. I don't know how many people I've talked to, and I said, You shouldn't go to that movie. Oh, Dave, it's just a movie, it's pretend. It's like, so you're gonna put that in your head, that garbage in your head? See, You don't understand how things change in culture. They change by making what's supposed to be bad normal. It's normal now in our culture to watch violence and sexual garbage, and it's normal. And you know what? Changing in a nation always happens this way. A challenge to go back, look at how nations have changed, look how cultures have changed. It starts by taking what was once deviant, it's deviant, And a culture has to say it's not deviant anymore. Somehow they have to change what's deviant to normal. And they do that through some kind of propaganda. Some somehow, from deviant to normal. But that's not the final blow in in changing a culture. The final blow is when those who called it, who call the new normal deviant become the new deviants. So in my lifetime, there was a time where abortion was wrong. Believe it or not, there was. There was a time we could go to jail for adultery. But that became normalized. And if I ever said, you shouldn't commit adultery, you shouldn't be doing that, that it would be wrong, I'm the deviant now. And instead of actually going after the thought process, they're going after me. I can get accused of hate crimes, actually, by saying, "No, that's wrong." Inciting someone to do something or whatever it might be. It's not my point. My point is very simple. A culture that doesn't have a grasp of absolute truth and say, "This cannot change because if it's true, it can't change. But a culture that doesn't have that, is capable of changing what they consider true today, or they consider deviant today, to make it true tomorrow and not deviant, to make it right, and then to create a whole new deviant class and Christians before you know it are thrown to lions. It can happen. It does happen. History seems to repeat itself. How do you guard against a, a nation going through that cycle? you better know the truth deviant behavior is well defined in the scriptures and we should never make anything that God says is deviant or wrong right and believe it or not there aren't that many things it's not a huge list in fact it's very few the the very first one is there's a God there is one. So a deviant belief would be when you say, oh, you can believe in whatever God you want, there is no God, and having everybody starting to agree with that. And then when I come up and say, no, there is only one God, then Aaron Rodgers says, you're a deviant for believing that. And I would have to look at him and go, no, no, there is only one. Really? One? Oh, no, you don't understand. These people call God by this? No, 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 no. If my wife walked in here, her name is Linda. It's not okay for you to call her Mabel. It's not the next lady that walks in. She's not my wife, too, Linda. There's only one. See, again, it's consistent with all of life. It's not inconsistent when I say there's one God. There, there's one. Deviant says, oh, there's more than one. No. But that's what's normal, so I'm the deviant. What God says, I mentioned marriage earlier, what God says is that here's his plan. He made man, he made woman, he made them to get married, and he made them to commit to each other for all their lives. That's what he did. That's what right is. Now what happens is people take that and say, no, 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 that's not right. And they make the deviant behavior normal. You you don't have to be committed. You can marry whoever you want, guy, girl. And then I get up and say, no, marriage was supposed to be this way. Now I'm the new deviant. Now that's when culture has made the flip. And what you find is that culture then begins to battle what? The truth and the error? No, they begin to battle the new deviants. That's what they go after. Because if they can silence... Deviants, they can regain what they want a godless society where they are God. Now, how'd that work out for Hitler? Because that's what I'm describing. Oh, we don't want to go there. Of course, we don't. We don't want to put ourselves in his category. But if you don't have a truth that anchors you and you don't know who God is and you don't understand the basics of life the way he created it, then you are open for all kinds of deceptions. And people will get up in front of you and, and say things like there is no sin and there's, everybody's good. And I, I just listen to them and think, horrors. How can you say these things? You're destroying the fabric of our very nation. Are you saying you're the only one that knows truth I'm really not saying that by the way what I am saying is this there is a truth I'm not saying I'm the only one that knows it I'm saying there is one and that in my life I need to keep looking for it I need to keep finding what the truth is and be willing to change what I think just read a survey talking about how difficult it is for Americans to change what they think We spend most of our life, by the way, after you hit 18, you spend most of your life trying to convince people that whatever you think is right. What does it take to change somebody? Usually a near-death experience. A storm that makes you realize you are helpless. Something in life that changes in your life that causes you to see that you're no longer in control. My wife and I have the privilege of going down and spending time with her dad who's 90 years old and has Parkinson's. A year ago, he was living on his own. Since then, his wife has died very unexpectedly. And he can't even get out of a chair and he can't even talk to us. He has these delusions. People are trying to get them and kill them. And it's really quite life-altering for all of us. Not totally unexpected, by the way, at 90 years old. I mean, some of the things she's going through, it's not something that you would look and say, well, that doesn't happen to people. It does happen to people. It happens to people who love God. It happens to people who love their parents. It happens. But every one of us, one day, will face the frailty of life that we live in we will face the idea that we cannot alter what is happening we cannot do it each one of you and myself included is looking for significance it's the one thing we want more than anything else we want acceptance yes we certainly want security yes but significance is really where we're at we really want to know that our lives matter and without God you know what you're going to have to do to find it you're going to have to beat other people up. You're going to have to stand on top, on the top rung somehow. Because the only way you're going to find significance is by making sure that other people are not as significant as you. The truth of the matter is very simple. God has taught us separately. He's taught us that each one of us is extremely significant. He used a body to illustrate that. If you're really a believer, if you're wanting God's family, so you're part of the body and every part of your body is significant. You don't have to work at being significant. You are significant if you understand the truth. The harder you work at being significant, the more lies you have believed. If you have to keep working at making sure you're significant, you're okay, you feel good about life, then you probably are believing a whole heap of lies. Because the truth sets you free from that. The truth is that I can look at the storm that went through this place and I can relax and know that this is God's place. He'll take care of things. And believe me, He has. He has. Nothing's really changed, storm or no storm. We still do the same thing. We still show people who God is, whether there's a storm or no storm. Just we got to do it with a storm or we get to do it without a storm. It's the truth that sets us free, not the lies. There was a time when the storm first hit that I would stand out here and just break into tears and I would thank God, 50 years gone. And you know what rescued me during those moments Is truth. Not the lies that I was saying 50 years gone like I had anything to do with building everything over 50 years. The truth was God calmly kept going in my heart the truth of scripture. The truth that I've learned through the years that he loves me, that he's the one in charge, that this is his place. He's capable of taking care of it. And I go, that's right, it's yours. Certainly you can turn the tide, you can do whatever you want. And I wouldn't trade the experience that we went through in that storm and the people that we met afterwards and the things that happened on this place, I wouldn't trade that now for anything. It really was the truth that set us free. Not the storm and not the fear. The, oh no, now we're insignificant, God, because we just got beat up. It's amazing what truth does. It does set the person free. People know truth. If they really know truth and they're living by it, honestly, unless it's a medical condition, they're not running around depressed or anxious. They're not, they're not doing that. They're not committing suicide because they know the truth. They do stay in their marriages, and they like their marriages. Now, I'm not saying they're perfect at it. I I have my moments where, you know, I, I can be Dave. And I don't blame my wife for being upset with me at times. But the truth is, I know what I need to do. Oh, I can go find a bunch of lies places and try and put my hope in that. I can do that. But the lies, the fruit of lies is always going to be eventual discouragement, despair, loneliness. Those are the fruits of lies. The fruit of truth is to set me free. Where I can enjoy life the way God created it to be. I hope as we keep meeting this weekend that I can just keep going over different truths. Just going over them and talking to you about them and see if we can't enjoy the fact that there's real truth. One of the things I would each ask, ask each of you guys to do is, is at least commit to the idea that if there is a if there is a truth and it's out there and you're not living by it that you'd at least look for it and if you find it that you'd be willing to actually change what you believe. I had uh, somebody come up to me recently and say, yeah, too bad, uh, you know, Packers lost. They were the best team. And I said, Nah they weren't. I mean, just watch the San Francisco game. Now you can't say they're the best team. You can tell me you're a fan. You can tell me you like it. You can tell me you're disappointed. You're hoping, uh, I got all that. But see, what they do is they have this method where they sort them out, and in the end, there's a Super Bowl champ for the year, and they're the best team. <laughs> We've gotten there a few times, but we're not there now. Now, if you say, boy, you're not a fan. I am a fan, but the truth sets me free. I'm not losing sleep over it. They need to get better. In San Francisco, they were good. They ate their Wheaties. Whatever they did, but they were good. You know, the, the truth, living in the realm of truth is actually wonderful, not bad. It allows you to see errors when you make them and correct things. And if you live by the truth, you realize that that's what your life is really, a series of recognizing things that you never recognized, responding to it, changing, and, and recognizing things that you have recognized, and sticking firm with them, not letting culture take you, and change. The truth into a lie and then make you the new deviant because you called it wrong. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those of you that know that story. You need to bow to the king. We don't need to bow to the king. You'll die. Perhaps. Perhaps not. You're arrogant. No, we just know the truth. It's the truth that got us to walk in the furnace. It's not the truth that makes us afraid. Truth doesn't make you afraid, by the way. Truth sets you free. There's a big difference there. I hope we can stimulate thought process and see where we go from there. And I I hope that somehow we can be people with, once we do discover what truth is, again, it's a short list, but once we discover what it is, that we guard our hearts. That we guard it. Not, not by going out there and beating people up, whoever. That's not what I'm saying. But we guard it ourselves. So I'm not going to let a bunch of lies into my head through media, television, movie. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let them in. Right. It's too easy to get off track and have things normalized it shouldn't be. There's way too much violence in our country. Way too much. It's way too normal. So I don't want to watch it. I even turn off the news now when I see it. I mean, I don't want to see it. I know it's there. I just don't want it a part of my life. Every once in a while, I'll see something violent. You see that kid who got a fish poked through his neck? (laughs) I don't know if that's violent. It was something. He he was out on a boat and a flying fish came and went in this side right through his neck. He didn't die. I thought, violent enough. I don't want to say anymore. Those nasty fish. Regardless, I think in life there's, uh, there's way too much hatred and divisiveness over our feelings and our opinions. And far less understanding of the simple truth that set us free. And we need to keep talking about the truth. By the way, I like Aaron Rodgers. I just think he's wrong. It's not, I'm not beating him up. I'm just saying I think his thought process is messed up in this area. His thought process as far as throwing a pass is fine and some other things that he does in life. But as far as telling people because he can play football that Christianity isn't right and all that kind of stuff, I think his process is messed up. And really, I'm still in process. Still reading the Bible through every year, still trying to talk to as many people as I can and trying to figure out what is the truth. And the older I get, the narrower it gets. In other words, there's fewer and fewer things that are true. And right now I can tell you I know there's a God that's true. I know that he loves each one of you, he loves me. I know that I'm supposed to love you too. And I know what he means by that as I read the Bible. It's not a made up word, this love thing. And we'll keep talking about truth in the sessions to come. So let's pray. Father, again, thank you that we can meet tonight. I thank you for this group of men. I ask your spirit to speak to our hearts while we're here. Let us enjoy the wonders of the beautiful snow that you've sent and creation that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Is there any announcements afterwards? Paul?